Thank you for listening to the podcast of Life Church, Perry, Georgia. Hey everyone, Pastor Tim McLaughlin here. And uh, man, I'm just so excited. I love doing podcasts. I love preaching the word. I love studying the word. I pray that these are a blessing to you. I pray that they bring you some encouragement. Uh, again, if, if you do not have a home church, if you're looking for a home church, if you're looking for some place that uh, is home, we want you to come to Life Church right here in Perry, Georgia, 100 Todd Road, right here in Perry. Uh, service on Sunday at 10:30 a.m. Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. And everybody's welcome. Come as you are, and I promise you, you won't leave the same. God is good. Uh, I want to talk to you today. Uh, you know, I was listening to the song, and and I don't listen to a lot of music. I'm I'm not a musician. I'm not. Uh, I don't play instruments. I barely play the radio. I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, but but occasionally, like I, I'll just I don't know. I'll be driving down the road, and something will strike, and, and you know, I believe it's the spirit of God that just begins to stir in me, and I listen to something, and I I would was listening to this song and they've remade it multiple times, but most of you uh, have heard it. It was a, a, a famous song and it became a, a famous movie that, that many of us have heard. It was Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. And, and I love that song because the original song, Amazing Grace, that was done, it was written by John Newton. Uh, John Newton was a uh, was a slave trader. He was an enslaver. Uh, gosh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, he 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 would go to Africa and then bring slaves to England, and and he got saved, and it so tormented him because of what he had did, done to other human beings that it it gripped him. But he wrote the song, "I once was lost, but now I'm found." Um. That's where so many of us find ourselves. I hope that's where you have found yourself. See, most of us, we, we were in a place where we were enslaved to sin. We were lost spiritually and we were lost mentally. Uh, mentally in the fact that we struggle with our thought lives. We struggled with issues of anger, issues of unforgiveness, issues of unworthiness, issues of fear. You know, when you go back and if you've ever watched the movie Amazing Grace and if you've ever read anything about John Newton, you know that he struggled in his thought life because he he never thought God would forgive him for all that he did. He, he struggled with that unforgiveness. He struggled with that fear. I know people today that with all that's going on in their society, they're struggling with fear. People that, that that have come into church, they've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, but they ask themselves, will God ever forgive me for what I've done? And what happens is that they, they get this, this mindset, they get in bondage, enslaved to their thought life. But, but when you and I, just like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, when we come to ourselves, the Bible says in Luke 15, I'm not going to read all of this to you, but the Bible says in Luke 15 that the prodigal son went to his father. He asked for his portion of the inheritance. He goes off to a foreign land. He began to waste all that his father had given him on prodigal living. Prodigal living means that he wasted. He wasted his money. He wasted his talents. He wasted his life on living. Living a, a a a a sinful life. I mean, drinking, drugs, 
prostitution, you name it. He lived a sinful life. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says he got to a point they were in a famine in the land. Nobody else wanted to be around him. He lost all the money. He was feeding pigs. And the Bible says, but he came to himself. And it was when he came to himself that he knew that he could go back to his father and he could ask his father, the same dad that, that he asked for his inheritance. And again, this I'm trying not to preach this message, but, but when he asked of his dad for his inheritance, in his mind, he had already assumed his dad as being dead. And so he's considering his dad dead. He takes his part of inheritance and he goes off. But when he's broke, when he's down on his luck, when everything else is gone, he says, but I'm going to go back to this dad that I, dad that I had already considered dead. And I, I, I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask him to forgive me. That's how we are. We need to approach God. We need to go to the living God. We need to go back to Jesus and we need to ask Jesus to forgive us. And when we go back and when we humble ourselves and we ask him to forgive us, then we are found. Or a better way to say that we're saved. We are born again because God desires to forgive us. God desires for us who were once lost in our, our, our thoughts, those that were once lost in our sin, those who were once lost in unforgiveness. He wants us to be found in his grace and in his mercy and in his love. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 12, says, In him we have found redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and all prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. I love that. I love how he says this. And there's so much meat in this passage of scripture. But he says, he says that, that the mystery is that, that we can come to him at the dispensation of the fullness of time, when God sent Jesus, when God himself stepped out of heaven, came to earth at just the right time, that he would gather together all of us to himself, that we may obtain an inheritance. The inheritance is the blessings of God. The inheritance is the eternal life that he has for us. The inheritance is the forgiveness for the things that we have done in the past. Because we have been saved through the precious blood of Jesus, we have also been redeemed. Redeemed. People think, well, that's a, that's a churchy word. What, what do you mean redeemed? Listen, here's a word that you probably understand. Released upon payment. Ransomed. 
You've watched movies. We've, we've seen movies about how people, uh, the, the, there were some that was kidnapped and they had to pay a ransom to get them back. We were kidnapped by our sin. We were taken bondage. We were enslaved by our sin. And Jesus came and he was, he bought us back with his precious blood. He paid the ransom with his blood to release us upon payment. People that have been taken, people that have been held by, by their captives needed a ransom. God never intended any of us to be held, to be captive, to become slaves to sin. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God had a perfect plan for mankind to live and to rule over all creation. Not only over the fish, not only over all the animals, but over everything God created us in his image to rule. But man fell to sin and then we became enslaved and sin began to rule over us. But when man fell, when we were tricked, when we were put in captivity, when we were enslaved, God had already prepared a ransom for you and for I. Jesus is our ransom. Jesus is our redeemer. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 20 says, Knowing that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by the tradition from our fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So now that Jesus has come, died for you and I, risen on the third day, does that mean that we, we, we never have to become enslaved again? Does that mean that, that, that because you've prayed that prayer, you, you're never going to have to be, be tricked by the enemy again? I wish it was so, but unfortunately not. So many people have been deceived. There's a, there's a, a message out there that once saved, always saved. And I've heard people say this. They said, they said, once you're saved, you're always saved. And then if you fall into sin, well, maybe that you were never saved. And people get so confused and they don't understand. The Bible's very clear. He even tells them in the book of Revelations, your name can be blotted out. What happens is people can come. They can pray. They can ask God to forgive them. Jesus's blood washes them clean, but they choose to go right back to the pig pen. They choose to go right back to the sinful life that they used to live. That's why we need to be renewed in our mind daily. We need to be filled with the Spirit constantly. We need to forsake not the assembly of ourselves together, going to church, reading the Word of God, staying in contact with our Heavenly Father so that we are never brought into a place of enslavement again. See, in our fleshly bodies, we still have a sin nature. There's a sin nature inside of each and every one of us. I do. I refuse to. 
I, I will share this message with you sometime. I refuse to give the devil the satisfaction. My flesh is weak. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Galatians, he gives all of these examples, this, this adultery, this fornication, these murders, these drunkenness, all of these things. And he says, if you practice those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's talking to the church that's at Galatia. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to the church. And he says, listen, today you know the, the good news. Today you know the truth. Today you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if you go back to the place where you begin to practice the things of the world, you will forfeit the kingdom of God. As long as we allow our flesh to rule our lives, we will continue to fall and be enslaved to sin. But as soon as we die to self and live by the Spirit of God, we no longer are slaves to the sinful nature. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So how can you tell me if you've truly died to self and are living in the Spirit? How can a person say, I know for a fact that I've died to self. I was there. I was in that place. I struggled inside the church for two and a half years with alcoholism, and I didn't know how to get free. I couldn't break it in my own strength. But then something changed. I died to self. And I knew that I died to self because my desires changed. I no longer desired alcohol. I no longer desired drugs. I no longer desired to, to watch certain movies and, and listen to certain music. My desires changed because my desires became Christ's desires. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, my life was new. I used to drink beer constantly. I'd get up in the morning and drink beer, and I would drink it all day long. I loved the taste of beer. And when, when I died to my flesh, when I died to Christ, when I said, Jesus, come into my heart and be Lord of my life, not just my Savior, not just a uh, uh, get out of a uh, hell free card, but become Lord of my life. When I did that, then what happened is my desires changed and I wanted to live a life that was pleasing to God. And when I, when I made those changes, I remember the first time I even walked into an establishment that had beer. I ran outside and began to vomit in the flower beds because the smell of the beer, it, it was just, it, it, it made my stomach upset. 
My desire was no longer for the things of this world. My desire were for the things of God. Not only do our desires change, but Paul says that Christ then lives in us. The Spirit of God then takes up residence in us. Our fleshly man no longer has control because we are dead to the old man. And now we're living according to the Spirit of the living God that has taken up residence inside of us. A pastor friend of mine years ago wrote a book called Saved and Still Enslaved. He uses the children of Israel as an example. See, God brought the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, but they still had a bondage mentality and they could never find true freedom. They, 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 they were brought out. They were blessed. They had all the riches of the, 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 the Egyptians. I mean, the Egyptians wanted them gone, so they begin to give them their gold and their silver and their clothes. And then Moses brings them out, and he walks them through the Red Sea. And as soon as they get over on the other side, they begin to mumble, and they begin to complain. And even when manna rained from heaven, and even when God brought water from a rock, and even when God sent spies in and showed them the, the fruit and the blessed land that he was going to give them, they had an enslavement enslavement mentality. They had a bondage mentality. They were, they were free from the, the Egyptians, but in their mind, they were still enslaved, as are many of us today. Many people today that have heard the message of the cross. Many today that have heard the message of forgiveness. Many today that have been to church and read the scriptures and had someone talk to them, but they think, can it possibly be me? Just like I said earlier, just like with John Newton, can God really forgive me for the things that I have done? That is an enslavement mentality. That is a, a, a mentality that will hold you in bondage. You need to understand that the blood of Jesus, the cross is greater than your sin. We can read over and over in the Old Testament how the children of Israel would do good for a while, but then they would fall back into their old ways. And that is just like so many today that will do good for a period of time, but then all of a sudden they will get, they will get comfortable in, in the things of the world and fall and they quit going to church. I'm going to tell you something. COVID has made it comfortable for people not to go to church. You need to get back in church. You need to get around other believers. You need to associate with people that will hold you accountable. We need to lift each other up so we don't fall back into our old ways. See, just like the children of Israel then is just like many people today. They have the Spirit of God with them, but they don't have the Spirit of God in them. See, the Spirit of God is moving around. He's hovering. He's wooing. He's drawing people. But you've got, to, you've got to die to self so that the Spirit of God will now live in you. See, when Jesus came and died and rose again, the Bible says in John 16, 7, that it was to our benefit. It was to our advantage that he would go away because he said, it's to your advantage because if I go away, then I can send the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, the helper, the comforter, the guide to now live in us. When we make a decision to die to self and allow the spirit to rule in our lives, we can then break the chains of bondage once and for all. Not that we break those chains, but Jesus broke the chains. It's almost like this. If you can imagine this in your mind, it's almost like, like you, you've got this shackle around your leg and this, this shackle is connected to this big, huge chain and the chain is then connected to a, a weight. And all of a sudden, the lock falls off 
the, the shackle around your leg. And instead of you pulling your ankle out and walking away from the chain and the thing that's been holding you, you stand there and you look down at it and all you do is you close the shackle back. It's kind of the, the, the story, I don't know if you've ever heard this about an elephant. If you take a baby elephant and you take a, a, a string or a rope and you tie it around the elephant's ankle and you attach it to a stake, that elephant knows where his perimeter, he knows he can only go so far because that's all the string will allow. Well, as that elephant begins to grow, he grows to a point where he could easily pull that stake out. He could easily break that rope, but his mindset is so to the fact that he remembers this is all the further I can go. So even though he can break free, he doesn't get free because he has a bondage mentality. And there are so many of us today that are walking around in a bondage mentality. You can get free. The blood of Jesus has made it a way for you and I. He has redeemed us. He has paid the ransom for us, but we won't walk out. We won't allow the spirit of God to rule in our lives. The prophet Isaiah speaking not only to the children of Israel but during their time of captivity to the Babylonians when he called God out, but he's also looking and prophesying to a future time when people would be in captivity to their flesh. Look at this. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. He says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, we've all been in a place of spiritual bondage. We've all been in a place where we needed a Redeemer to ransom us. We wonder if there's any way that we can get out of this mess. And God says, fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I've got this. I've made a way. Fear not. And yet people are still walking around in fear. The children of Israel had been uh, in this spot before. They were calling out to God for help. And God promised that he was going to help them. He helped to bring them out of the Egyptians. He helped to bring them out of the Babylonians. But then they just turned around and they got enslaved to, to the Romans. How many times are you going to keep getting enslaved from one sin to another sin to another sin because you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life? Today we have even a, a greater hope because we know that we are born again. We know that he's in us. But, but so many people are falling prey to the lies of the world. When God brought the children of Israel out of Babylon, he not only set them free, he made provision for them to rebuild a wall around the city. He made provision for them to rebuild the temple. He blessed them with every provision for them to succeed. He said, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you. He, he made all this provision, and yet they continue to, to, to fall back into worldly ways. We have all made mistakes. We all have a past. But we need to make the decision that this time's going to be different. Before we've tried to do things in our own strength, but today we have to understand that the greater one is living on the inside of us. God is saying to each and every one of us, not only that he brought us out, but he paid the ransom. He made the provision for you and for I, but he's also saying, I'm here to help you along the way. If we will trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, if we will, if we will not lean our own understanding, but, but just give it all to him. I believe there's three things that he wants to do for us if we will just trust him and make him Lord of our lives. Number one, he will help us in every one of our life circumstances. 
Yes, everyone. If we will, if we will make him Lord of our life, he will be with us in every life circumstance. See, we have changed uh, our lives, but have we changed our mindset? We we've we we've we've many have changed. They start going to church, but have we changed our minds? Have we changed the way that we think on things? Genesis four seven says, "If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well do well, sin lies at the door and desires for you." But I like this right here in Genesis 4, 7. He says, but you shall rule over it. Listen, when you turn the television on and it's a nasty movie, you have the control to turn it off. Will you? You you make the decisions of what music you listen to. Will you turn it off? You have the decision before you take your clothes off and climb in the bed. Will you make the right decision? He says, listen, sin is desiring uh, to, to, to take you out, but you shall rule over it. If you are born again, follow Jesus in water baptism and been filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, fear not. Second Chronicles 20 verse 15 says, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours. It's God's. See, I would love to tell people when they get saved that their life will be a piece of cake from here on out, but I won't lie to them. They need to be educated. They need to be empowered. They need to understand. That's why discipleship is so important. If the past two years have not have taught us anything in the midst of COVID, in the midst of storms, in the midst of all the violence, in the midst of all the political corruption, if it's taught us anything, we need to understand this. We can hold tight to the promises of Jesus. John 16, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame the world for you and for I. He died on the cross. He defeated the grave. He defeated the enemy when he rose up. And the Bible says that he went to hell and he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. But so many people are keeping Jesus at arm's length. They're, they're keeping him at arm's length and they're embracing the things of the world instead of embracing Jesus and keeping the world at arm's length. We have to understand that we've been transformed and we can rule over sin as long as we allow Jesus to rule in us. Not only will he help us in every circumstance, but he will also supply all of our needs. It doesn't say that he will supply all of our wants, but he will supply all of our needs. We don't have we we don't believe in the name and name it and claim it gospel. Okay, I, I don't believe that that. that just because I say uh, God's going to give me a, a 2022 uh, Harley Davidson uh, wide glide that he's going to give it to me. If I don't have a need for it in my life, it's not going to benefit me. Now, that's not to say that he won't give us some of our wants, but it's got to be practical and it's got to make sense. So it's not a name it and claim it gospel, but I do believe that he wants to supply all of our needs. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you think. God desires to bless us with his goodness. As a loving father whose pleasure is to shower his children with good things, God wants, to, wants us to experience the fullness of his greatness. 
I love the prayer of Jabez many, many years ago. I don't know. Gosh, it's probably been 20 years ago. Uh, they, they came out with this little book called the prayer of Jabez. First Chronicles 4.10 says, And Jabez called to God of Israel and said, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him his request. See, we need to pray the word and we need to believe in the word of God and all the promises of God. If we will do as Jabez did, if we will believe in God, he will do it for us just like he did it for Jabez. God not only wants to help us in every circumstance, not only does God want to supply all of our needs, but number three, God wants to fulfill his purpose for our lives. I truly believe that God has one purpose, and that is His purpose. I've heard people say, you know, I've even prayed this prayer. Lord, what is your purpose for my life? Listen, I don't believe that God has a purpose for Tim McLaughlin. I believe God has a purpose for humanity, that none should perish, that all should come to repentance, that everyone should know Jesus, that everyone should proclaim the good news. God's purpose is fulfilled through His Son. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but He is long-suffering Toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, how does God fulfill His purpose for our lives? When we have His Spirit living in our hearts, we will desire to fulfill His will for our lives. Because again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Because then what happens is then our priorities, our desires, the things that we have uh, desire for changes. They're not the things of the past. They're the things of God. Psalm 138.8 says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. I love that Psalm 138. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. God is concerned with you and he's concerned with the things that concern you. When we are living for him, he is living in us. His desires become our desires. All of us were once enslaved and lost, but he has ransomed us. He has filled us. Oh, he has done great things for you and I. No one's sins are too much for God. Not John Newton's, not mine, and not yours. Isaiah says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you. We all should be able to say, just as John Newton said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. If you can't say that, all you need to do today is ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. Ask him to forgive you and to come into your heart. And then you'll be able to make that declaration. If you're lost today and you want to be found, if you want to be saved, if you want to be born again, cry out to Jesus. Make him Lord of your life and he will come in. He, he wants to be in every circumstance of your life to give you strength to conquer it. He wants to supply every one of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He wants to be with us in every situation. Would you cry out to Him today and make Him Lord of your life? Father, I pray for each and every one listening to this podcast that today, Father God, if they're born again, that Father God, they would take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 
Father, if they're not born again, would they cry out to you and pray, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Father, I pray that you touch each and every one and bless them today. And Father, I give you praise for these things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I pray that you be blessed. Have a blessed week. And again, we're here for you. Call us. Come visit us right here at Life Church in Perry, Georgia. God bless you.